Jude is a book um, that's only 25 verses long. And it's one of the most neglected books in the New Testament, according to some scholars. But Jude has a message that's very appropriate for our time and age. Because Jude com- commands us as a church to pursue after the doctrines that were once for all handed down from the apostles. See, in the day and age we live in, we live in a time in which truth is relative, where doctrine is slid under the rug. But according to Jude, doctrine is the only thing that will preserve the church. Just a few words on the author. Um, Jude is very similar to Second Peter. There's a lot of overlap. Um, Jude, uh, either Jude or Second Peter, borrowed from one another. Um, we're not sure which came first. Some scholars think it was Second Peter, some Jude. Um, but the important thing is um, that they both convey the same message, which is that the doctrine once for all handed down needs to be contended for and ultimately the message itself is one that we cannot live in our sin and get away with it. Um, Jude is the half-brother of Jesus. Um, Mark and Matthew's Gospels mention Jude and James as brothers of Jesus. Um, Go ahead and throw up the Mark verse up there. Um, So in the the Gospel of Mark, um, when the Jews are um, kind of listening to Jesus' message, but they actually know him from growing up with him, they say, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And there's a similar passage in Matthew 13. Um, But essentially what happened was... um, Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, and after that, Joseph ended up fathering um, these brothers and um, some sisters as well. So Jesus had some half-siblings. So what's interesting is the James that's mentioned there is also the James of the New Testament. So he's the the, uh, author of the book of James, And um, let's read what um, Jude ends up saying in terms of his relationship to Jesus. um, So Jude, being the half-brother of Jesus, actually doesn't mention it when he's introducing himself. He says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Um, James also has a similar way of speaking. He says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ in James 1.1. So, It's interesting that Jude actually believes that his primary relation to Jesus is not that he was born from the same womb as him, but rather that he is a servant of Jesus. Um, And I think that's an important lesson that we can learn for ourselves. A public public relations firm today would say, um, if you are born of someone famous, you include that in your bio. But that's not Jude's approach. So Jude actually probably wasn't even a believer up until after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, So in um, 
in John 7, 7, 4, um, uh, his brothers say to Jesus, show yourself to the world. And in verse 5 it says, for not even his brothers believed him. Um, And so at one point in the Gospels, when Jesus is... um, when Jesus is being um, teaching and he's uh, giving a message to a, a group of people in a house, it says that his brothers and mother came to see him. And so Jesus actually identifies his brothers and sisters and mother as being those that whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So at some point, Jude recognized this and James did as well, that being the kinship of Jesus is less important than actually being his spiritual brother. Um, and so another word about Jude is um, at some point, Jesus probably, um, probably introduced himself to Jude after his resurrection. Um, Jude was um, not really mentioned in the the Bible, aside from those references I just spoke, um, except for references in, um, in the book of Acts when it says that um, his brothers were in the upper room before Pentecost. Um, so that's who Jude is. Um, but what Jude has to say is a few things. Number one, um, Jude wants to tell us that there are essentially two groups of people in the churches that he's ministering to. Um, there are two kinds of people, um, and it goes down to the foundation of their very soul. Um, according to Jude, there are the called, and there are certain people who have crept in. Um, and so let's look at the called here. So he says um, in verse 1, it says, To those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. So Jude identifies the the recipients of his letter. Even though there are two groups of people in the church, he is mainly writing to the called. Now, the reason we know that this is a particular group of people is because he, he clarifies, he qualifies the statement called. He says, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. So um, these people who he's writing to are genuine, born-again Christians. He's writing to the regenerated church, the people who have had their hearts changed by the message of the gospel. That's who he's writing to. Um, And he's saying, um, he, he, he also encourages them by reminding them who they are. He says, beloved in God the Father. And that's probably the safest place you can be is loved in God the Father. We are actually one with God the Father and we're actually kept for Jesus Christ as a gift. Um, So that's who he's writing to to begin with. Who's the second group of people he's writing to? He's writing to this certain group of people who have snuck in. Um, 
So let's look at what he says about those people. He says, verse four, for certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. So these obviously are not actual Christians, but they're still represented in the main group of people in the church that he's ministering to. so one of the things that you should notice is um, that they've crept in. See, by saying they crept in, he's saying snuck in, and he's saying that they come in unnoticed. So there's a problem here. In the churches that he's ministering to, there's not a staunch hold on the gospel, what the gospel is, because these certain people are not Christians. Essentially, they're faking it, and they're coming and teaching these wrong doctrines. Um, what does it say about them? Um, basically that they're not Christians. Um, so, um, Jude really wants to, the Christians in these churches that he's ministering to, to do one thing. He wants them to contend. Now this is a fighting word. Um, contend means, um, that you are earnestly fighting for And what does he want us to contend for? He wants us to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So when we think about the word faith, we often think our personal relationship with Jesus, like Jesus lives in my heart and, you know, I'm walking through life with Jesus. Um, But that's not really what he's talking about um, because he says once for all delivered to the saints. Um, so this faith, it's actually a body of doctrine, and um, particularly Jude has in mind the purity of the gospel, um, the purity of the message that um, saves us. If we don't have a pure message that saves us, then people aren't going to be saved. So Jude wants them to condemn for the once for all the delivered to the saints faith. So this is the, the faith that was given by the apostles. Um, the apostles preached the word of God to these churches, and they were, um, they were taught it. So um, let's look at um, the second group of people um, that Jude is writing about. Um, so he's primarily writing about this group, um, and he's saying that these aren't Christians, and that they haven't actually been outed as unbelievers because the church isn't contending for these doctrines. Um, They're not holding to, living out, and teaching the gospel's message. Um, Verse four. So um, they actually, this group of people um, is ungodly, so that literally means they live life as though God doesn't exist. they pervert the grace of God into sensuality. So that word sensuality actually means um, license. So it's a license to do whatever you want because you're justified. Um, he also wants uh, us to know that they, um, they deny the lordship of Jesus Christ, our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Um, so these people are um, actually prophesied about long ago, and it's a prophecy of condemnation. 
And that's mainly what Jude is getting at here. He's saying that there are two groups of people, and these two groups of people are actually on separate paths, even though they're in the same churches. These groups of certain people are actually on the way to destruction, and the, the Christians are on their way to heaven. But Jude doesn't feel like he can talk about the common salvation that is for the Christians. He feels like he needs to warn them about the group of people that is sneaking into the church. So, um, when he talks about that these people were prophesied about long ago, he's actually talking about the prophecies of the apostles who said that in the last days there would be people who would sneak in to the church and pervert um, the doctrine of the gospel. Um, and so this particular group of people perverts it in the way of doing whatever they want um, and denying that Jesus Christ has a command that they need to follow um, in the gospel. So he says that these people are actually under judgment because they're ungodly, they pervert grace into license, and deny Jesus' authority over their lives. Um, so another thing to notice, though, is that in order to figure out which group they're in, um, Jude wants them to contend for the faith. So if you are in this group of saints, this group of people that are um, kept in God the Father for Jesus Christ, that are loved in God the Father for Jesus Christ, then um, they need to contend for this message. Um, so um, going on into verse 5, Jude starts talking about judgments that have happened throughout church history, um, actually into the history of Israel. Um, so let's read what he says. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. So that first section, he's talking about this time in the past, um, in the history of Israel, when um, the Israelites had been brought out of Egypt by plagues and miracles. They had passed through the Red Sea as though it were dry land. Um, and they had br been brought through the wilderness and had seen many victories in battle um, against forces that were much stronger than they were. Um, but Jude is reminding them that what happened to this group of people when uh, some spies went into the promised land and searched it out and saw that there were giants there. These people lost heart. Um, they lost all confidence that um, they could take the promised land. And in that story, um, God ends up destroying these people that didn't believe. He ends up forcing that whole generation to die in the desert because they did not believe. Um, and so Jude wants to remind the church, listen, this, was, this judgment was in part for people who had seen the deliverance. They had walked through the ocean. They had eaten the manna. They had victory in battles, heard the actual voice of God, but they weren't able to enter in because of unbelief. Um, this next section of judgment is about some angels in Genesis chapter 6. Um, these angels, he says, did not stay within their position, their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling. 
and so he has kept them in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. So in that, in that passage in verse, um, verse 6, is referring to a passage in Genesis, um, which for the sake of time, I'm just going to give you a, an overview. Um, in this passage in Genesis, um, it says the sons of God saw that there were attractive women and they had relations with them and ended up fathering these giants in the ancient world. Um, and so Jude is saying there that these angels had a proper dwelling place and these particular angels were consigned to hell as what Second Peter um, says about this same group of people. So they're consigned to chains in hell um, until the judgment of the great day, which is the last judgment when Christ will reign. Um, and the next section is um, a group of people in the Old Testament, Sodom and Gomorrah, which is probably one you're most familiar with. Um, I'm going to actually go back there and read that passage. It is in Genesis 19. And this is a, a passage in which God is sending some angels down to see if Sodom and Gomorrah is really as um, destructive and evil as he's heard from heaven. So it says, the two angels came to Sodom in verse 1 in the evening, and Lot was sitting at the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go your way. They said, No, we will spend the night in the town square. But he pressed them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house. And he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. But before they lay down, the men of that city... The men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house, and they called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you last night? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door behind him, and said, I beg you, my brothers, not to act so wickedly. Verse 8. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, Stand back. And they said, This fellow came to sojourn with us, and he has become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot and drew near to break the door down. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who are at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out groping for the door. Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone else that you have in this city? Bring them out of this place. For we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. 
So Lot went out and said to his sons-in-law who were to marry his daughters, get up out of this place for the Lord has, is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be jesting. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot saying, up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his daughters by the hand, and the Lord being merciful to him, they brought him out and set him outside the city. And as they brought them out, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And Lot said to them, O oh no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life. But I cannot escape to the hills, lest disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. He said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of that city is called Zor. So in this next section, you see why God wanted to pour out wrath on Sodom, um, because they were pursuing um, what Jude calls unnatural desire and indulging in sexual immorality. And if I had to put my finger on one particular passage in the book of Jude that we're studying today um, that is most current to our current day and age, it would probably be this one. Um, and I just want to say, um, you know, according to the Bible, homosexual practice is sin. Um, and it's worthy of eternal damnation according to what um, the apostles taught and according to what Jude here is saying. Um, so that's not to say that um, people who struggle with this kind of attraction are in this group. Because if you're struggling and um, contending for the once for all faith delivered to the saints, you're in the group of saints. You're in the group that's going to be preserved, but this is what happens to Sodom. Um, it says, according to Jude, that um, they rain down fire. Um, Jude's quoting this passage or referencing this passage, and he says, and he overthrew the cities and all the valley and the inhabitants of the city. Um, verse 24, then the Lord rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. Um, and ultimately, this is just not an easy passage to preach on, but um, it's pretty plain that this is not something God approves of. But in our day and age, it's, it's passed off as being part of the gospel that, you know, you can do whatever you want. Um, as an encouragement, um, I wanted to just say, in each of these passages of judgment, there are those who escape. Um, in the passage that Jude references about um, the Israelites being destroyed for unbelief, Caleb and Joshua end up being preserved by their faith. They say that God really can give us the land, and so they're spared, and they actually get to enter the promised land. Um, some of the sons of God in the second passage of, um, of um, judgment about the angels who are the sons of God who have relations with women and leave their proper place, um, some of these sons of God end up 
lasting. They're in Job chapter one, they're mentioned there, um, and they present themselves before God. Um, in the third passage, Lot and his daughters were spared, um, and so it is with us. We have to believe, know our place in the gospel, and not indulge the sins that we have, whatever they may be. Um, it's kind of a, a last word on um, the gospel being one that doesn't give you a license to do whatever you want. Um, I want to turn to Romans chapter 6, verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know then that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one to whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death or of obedience that leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you, are, you who are once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you are committed. Um, it just says it right there that um, because we are one in God the Father, we're in God the Father and loved in God the Father because we are um, kept for Christ Jesus. We won't indulge in those things. The true believers will come. Um, and there's a passage, there's a quote from uh, a church leader named Charles Spurgeon. And he said, if we are silent in the one issue of the gospel that's currently being attacked by culture, then we're not actually defending the gospel. Um, last of all, so the, the remark in Jude about homosexual, being un, homosexual practice being unnatural is it's not a divine you. It's not God saying that's gross. It's an appeal to reason um, for the divinely created order. God actually designed men and women for procreation to be one, with one another. Um, and the last word is just, um, I have a, a friend who knows a former pastor um, and his, one of the things he used to say was, I am, therefore I will be. Um, we are Christians, therefore act like Christians. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for um, just your grace today. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you that um, we can have mercy, peace, and love multiplied to us through messages of judgment. Um, thank you, Lord, that in the weakest preacher you can convey the message of the gospel, the message of truth, that Jesus came to die for our sins, and through the gospel that we can come and abide with you and be in Christ. Um, Lord, just thank you for sparing us for our sins because we know that we deserve all of those judgments. Um, but Lord, you've spared us because of Jesus Christ. Um, we just pray, Lord, that somehow, some way, you would just bring this message into greater obedience to you, greater love for you. Um, and we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.